Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, this is our uh, New Year's Eve service, and this is um, just looking at maybe a better approach to 2018 um, based on reflecting over the previous year. So uh, just some practical stuff in this message to help us identify uh, the moments of consolation Looking back over this last year, moments where we felt alive and connected and loved and fulfilled versus times where we felt desolation, disconnected, anxious, fearful, and and trying to just build on the good things in our lives. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this message called Living Awake. So let's head to the talk, North Shore Vineyard, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. There is this hope that I think many of us have that next year's got to be better because this year just sucked, you know, and it's it's the worst year ever, and surely next year's going to be better. But then one thing I've also noticed is that many of the people who post these kind of things have been posting these for like four years, and... So then you have to ask yourself, are the years ever going to get any better, or maybe is there a a different way to approach life? Maybe our circumstances won't improve. Maybe this year will be worse circumstantially. Maybe our country will be worse off. Maybe the economy will... I'm trying to depress you real real good here. But... (laughs) But perhaps maybe even if our circumstances don't improve, we can improve in the process. Perhaps there's something that can change in us. And I think that this gets at another aspect of of when we come to this time of the year. Um, People begin making New Year's resolutions. Uh, This is going to be the year that I forsake fried shrimp po' boys. What? No. I'm leaving this church. Uh, This is going to be the year that I'm going to get that gym membership. You know, gyms make most of their money in these first three months of the year. Uh, And... But I, I, I have to say, the older I get, the more cynical I get about New Year's resolutions, because when I look back over my actual life, I can't recognize a time where uh, I successfully pulled off a New Year's resolution and it actually changed my life. And, and here's, here's part of the problem. I kind of talked about this a few weeks when I, I did the message about loving ourselves. I think if you're like me, by the time you get to the end of December, you're just disgusted with yourself, you know, like no self-control, you've been just shoveling sugar in your mouth and fat and and just living the way you shouldn't be. And because the days get darker earlier and it's cold, you just haven't been exercising. And, and so by the time you make it past like Christmas, ah, I don't even want to look at myself in the mirror. I'm just, you know, you, you're just disgusting. And so Oftentimes, the fuel for our, our New Year's resolutions is not like something healthy, like a good, we're not in a good state of being, we, we're just in a place of self-loathing. And so, self-loathing can get you a couple of weeks down the road, that can be enough motivation, but, but eventually, two weeks down the road, you smoke that cigarette, you eat that shrimp po' boy, you stop going to the gym... And then you just confirm everything that you hate about yourself. And now, now you're just a loser, just like you thought a few weeks ago. You can't do anything right. And so then you just 
you know, move on. And I think it was probably around age 35 where I finally, my, my New Year's resolution was I resolved never to make another New Year's resolution again. It's kind of like giving up fasting for Lent. So, <laughs> in New Orleans, yeah. But, um, rather than, what I'm going to talk about today is rather than arbitrarily coming up with some things that we want to change about ourselves, I want to kind of look at maybe a different way we can go into this year that, that might actually be changed. See, I think... I just mentioned Celebrate Recovery a minute ago. Celebrate Recovery is based on, it, it, it incorporates the 12 steps that you would see in Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things that is brilliant about the 12 steps is if you show up at AA, they don't expect you to have, to, to not be drinking when you show up there. Like, you show up there not because you're successful at you know, quitting drinking, but because you're failing at it, right? So that's part of the prerequisite. You show up because you have come to terms with the fact that you are, your life is out of control. And so AA doesn't try to just, like, get you to stop drinking. It actually tries to deal with the stuff in your heart. And that's what the 12 steps are about. You're, you're actually dealing with the stuff that you're not consciously aware of that actually shapes the way you interact with life and the world and stress and all those things that gives rise to the habitual addictive behaviors that are controlling and destroying your life. And that's a very different approach because we tend to think that we can just choose to be a different person. Like, there's something arbitrary about, like, New Year's Day. Like, you know, even though I've been living unhealthy for 40 years, this is going to be the week that everything changes, as if I can do that. And yet, we keep doing the same thing over and over. But I, I think this is where Scripture can really speak into uh, and, and, and help guide us into some, some different ways of, of going into this next year that, that might actually bring some real and lasting change, if even just incremental change in our life. And I think that's probably a better way to approach things instead of trying to change every thing about you. Just take a few steps in the right directions. Um, was Groundhog Day, or no, what was the other one with Bill Murray? Baby Steps? What about Bob? Thank you, thank you. I admire your cinematic knowledge. Romans 12, 1 through 2, this is the message translation. It's on the front of your bulletin. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging, dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Now, that's a bit of a paraphrase for that, but I, I really like this, tra- this, this paraphrase because I think it's, it's very helpful in kind of unpacking a lot of the meaning here. Uh, in many of your Bibles, it says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There are two 
the, the reality is you cannot go through this world without experiencing change. We are always people who are in flux. We're always changing. We're always being molded and shaped. And, and in, a, in, in a certain sense, being shaped by the world around you is unavoidable. Chances are, if you grew up in a conservative Christian home, um, even if you're not a Christian currently, you probably have many of the, the, the views and much of the worldview that you inherited from your family. If you grew up at a, in a secular, um, atheistic home, you probably have many of those kind of views. Then there's the views that, that, that culture and society gives to us, and, and it's just the water we swim in. We don't even realize how much we are shaped by the world we live in. But Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't just fit into this world without thinking. Most of us are mindless through most of our lives. We don't pay attention to anything. We don't question anything. I've, I've had several concerned parents over the years who have come up to me and said, you know, I'm worried. My teenagers, they, they, they don't believe in God right now. What do we do with that? And I'm like, you know, they're, they're starting to ask all these questions. And I'm, I'm not really that freaked out about that. Because I, I figure if they're asking questions, great. What, what concerns me a lot more is the person who's been in church for 50 years and has never questioned anything, and they're just, they're just believing what has been handed to them. I, I wouldn't really call that faith. I would just call that, that's, you know, you're just being conformed to a, a, a Christian view of the world. I'm not scared of questions. I think questions are good. I think it's, it's, it's much scarier to walk through the world and never question anything, to just go mindlessly on. Because here's what happens. The world begins to dictate to you, to, to define for you what success looks like, what the good life looks like, what you should be doing. And when I say the world, it, I mean, part of that's your families or whatever. And you can find yourself 20, 30, 40 years down the road working a job that you hate because you never stop to ask yourself what you want to do. <laughs> You, somebody else determined to you what success looked like. Somebody else determined to you what, what kind of car or house or whatever you should live in or drive or look like. And, 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 and underneath all that, there will be a simmering resentment because you never ask those questions yourself. And now you're, 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 you're in debt to this whole kind of lifestyle that, that you don't even really want because <laughs> you never ask the questions. That's being conformed to the world. Any of y'all play with Play-Doh when you were kids? Any of y'all still play with Play-Doh? All right, yeah. Play-Doh's cool and tasty. How many of y'all ate Play-Doh when you were kids? Yeah. It's okay if you eat it right when it comes out, but after it's been sitting in the preschool for a few weeks, not so good, not so good. <laughs> That's where the latest flu outbreak came from. But I remember playing with Play-Doh when I was a kid. I had this little set, and you could take your Play-Doh, and you put it in this little mold, and you squeeze it down, and then open it up, and you have a little burger-shaped piece of Play-Doh, you know, or French fries or cows or whatever. I don't remember all the things. But that's what being squeezed into the mold looks like. You, you will either be formed by the external pressure exerted on you by your family, your culture, your politics, your religion, all the things around us, you will either be formed by that or what Paul tells us, you can be transformed. And this speaks of a process, a living process going on inside you where instead of pressure coming from the outside, there's internal pressure uh, that comes from, from being changed. 
And how does Paul say that we, we experience this transformation? Well, I, I think it's helpful to look back at the first part of the, the verse. It said, here's what I want you to do. I want you, uh, God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And so that's what we're going to look into doing today. We're going to look at our everyday lives and apply some of these things to just pay attention to them, just to look at them. And once we've recognized these things, both good and bad, we're going to bring them to God. And we're going to go into this next year, not mindlessly, but as people who are awake, who are paying attention. And I think it's much more important to wake up than it is to just try to change things in your life. So if you try to change things in your life without paying attention to your life, it ain't going to get you down the road very far. So a couple of things we've done over the past year here, or a couple of years, uh, from time to time we'll do a different spiritual discipline that we, t- we take everybody through, either on a Sunday morning or sometimes we'll do it in a marriage class or women's ministry. One of the things that we've done, and they do it in Celebrate Recovery too, uh, one thing we've done a few times here has been called a spiritual location exercise, where you look back over, say, a few weeks, and you just kind of start reflecting on how you've been doing, what the things you've been thinking about, your emotional life, your physical life, um, different areas, and you just kind of try to try to uh, pay attention to where you're at in life. And then also inviting the Holy Spirit to just, you know, to really describe where you feel the Holy Spirit's leading you. Another exercise we do here quite often is the prayer of examine. The Jesuits came up with this and, um, the prayer of examine is, is simply, I, I love doing this kind of the end of the day, but if you're a Jesuit priest, you do this like three times a day. It's a little over the top for me. But uh, I find doing this just even a couple of times a month is good, where at the end of your day, you just go back to your first waking moments of consciousness, and you, you start thinking, how was I feeling the moment I woke up? What were my first thoughts? What was I doing? And you just replay your day like watching a movie. But what you're doing in the process is trying to look for moments of consolation or desolation. Moments of consolation would be times where you feel connected, you feel alive, you feel loved, you feel cared for, you, you're, you feel like you're, you're living from your heart and doing what you were intended to do. Moments of desolation where, are, are the times where you feel insecure, stressed out, overwhelmed, uh, internally conflicted. And so you just go back through your day doing the prayer of examine, and you start noticing these things. And every time I do it, it's a mixed bag because, and here's the deal, once you start actually trying to do the prayer of examine, you realize how mindlessly you go through life, how you don't pay attention, and how you notice so many things in the rearview mirror. I'll go through a day, and I'll realize, like, you know, I woke up in a pretty bad mood, and then I took it out on Dina, (laughs) and then, you know, I got to a meeting that I had up at the church, and I was feeling kind of insecure, and that really affected the way that I was talking to this other person, or you might find that you were, um, you know, being arrogant, or you might even look back on your day and go, wow, that moment that I walked into the house today, and my son just ran up and gave me a hug, wow, that was God there. That was a beautiful moment of consolation. Thank you, Lord, for that. So once you do this prayer of examine, looking back over your day, at the end of the prayer, you just acknowledge 
the gifts from God in that day, and you just express gratitude, God, for those moments where you felt consolation, but then you also bring to God the moments of desolation. God, these were the moments where um, it seemed like I was being driven by other things than your, than your spirit or love. And so, God, I bring those to you, and I ask for your grace to, to maybe not do so much of that tomorrow. So today is going to be a kind of a hybrid of those things as we look back over the year. We're not going to, we don't have enough time. I mean, I guess we could spend a few hours here. If y'all want. Okay. No takers today? <laughs> um, I would encourage you to take your bulletin home with you because this next part, I'm going to go through it, but I think this is a great thing for all of us to do tomorrow. I'm going to do this tomorrow. Most of you have tomorrow off because it's New Year's Day. Um, and it would be helpful as you go through this exercise um, to take out your calendar. If you've got a Google calendar of things you've done this last year, or maybe your Instagram feed, you know, go back a year, because sometimes pictures will help you remind, you know, I can't even remember what was going on in January last year. But, um, but look, just go through your year prayerfully in each one of these categories. And what we do is we go through these different things. By the time you get to to December, you will have a pretty good picture of the things that have been motivating you, the things that have been giving you life, the things that have been giving you stress and conflict. And the idea is when we get done with all that and you write some things down, and I would say if you're married, do this separately from your spouse and then come together with your answers, and then you can discuss that thing and then pray about it and bring it to God. Sound good? Okay. So so what we're doing as we look back over the calendar year, we're looking for times of consolation and times of desolation. So the first aspect would be emotionally. Going back all the way to January and then going through the room, uh, through the room, through the year, just recognize the emotional state that stands out to you. We're not trying to get terribly detailed here. Obviously, you're looking at a whole year. We're trying to get a bird's eye view. So don't stress out about, just try to bring to mind the things that, that you've been feeling over this year. It's going to be a mixed bag. If you're like me, you, this year has had real good highs and real good lows and everything in between. What were your dominant emotions in each month? Then move on to to physically. How have you felt in your physical body this last year? What's it been like in your in your physical existence this last year? Maybe you've experienced some pain. Maybe maybe there's certain health problems. Just just write those things down. Thoughts. What were the thoughts that most dominating dominated your thinking over the last year? This is going to be an interesting one. Because you might find that you've, you've poured a whole lot of time into thinking about just a handful of things, and maybe some of those things you've been thinking about probably aren't worth thinking about. Acknowledge those. What have been the dominant things that you have, have consumed your thoughts? The next thing is relationships. Reflect on your relationships. How did you experience other people in this last year? Think about the people close to you, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. How did you experience people? And, and, and as you're doing this, invite the Holy Spirit to bring things to mind because I think you know, the, the Spirit will, will bring things up to you. Were you emotionally connected? Or, I mean, were you relationally connected much of the year? 
Did you find yourself withdrawing from relationships or engaging with others? What relationships did you experience consolation through? What relationships were more difficult or even brought desolation? Were you a good friend to other people? Were you a source of consolation to others? So it's not just about what you've received from others, but, but how, have you, how have you been a friend or not so friendly to other people this last year? The next question, and I've actually had several people <laughs> over this last year when we've done spiritual location. This was actually a question I just added to a spiritual location exercise. Um, was fun. And, and this, is, this is one of those questions. I had a couple of people come up to me and say, when we did that spiritual location thing, I realized like, I haven't had any fun like, in a very long time. Like, I don't make space for fun. Fun's an important thing. And, and, and I would lump rest under fun. Amen? <laughs> the older I get, the funner rest is when I get it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but think back over this year and, and, and write down uh, how have you had fun this last year? Whether in your job, your family, in creating, in rest and recreation, look back over this last year at how you've taken care to rest each month. How have you set aside time for fun with the ones you love? What were the most fun moments in this last year? Recognize those things. Or recognize that maybe you, you didn't have a lot of space for that. And the next category is spirituality. Looking back over this year, do you notice any themes in your spiritual life? What has God been saying and doing in you this last year? Where have you been resistant to the work of the Spirit? How have you been led by the Spirit in this last year? What have been the most spiritually engaging moments this last year? What were the times you felt connected with the very Spirit of God the most? And then the final question, after you go through all these, and I'd say all those other questions up to this point, that might take you an hour to get to this point. But here's the central question. What do you think that the Spirit is inviting you into this next year? What do you think God's inviting you into? You know, part of the purpose of this exercise is whether it's looking at your emotional, your, your, your thought life, how you have fun, you're going to see some things that you don't like when you reflect, and that's why most people don't like reflecting much is because we see things we don't like. But, but look at the good things that you got in your life. What do you want to take from this year that you've learned, that you've experienced? What do you want to build on for next year? Don't just try to add a bunch of arbitrary things that, to your life that, you, you, you know, like that you're miserable about, but what good things? What experiences of God and relationship and, and do you want to build on into this next year? And so once we examine our lives, looking back over this last year, then the next thing is to bring these things before the Lord. You know, it's, if you look at any major world religion, and even world religions that don't exist anymore, you know, you can go back into antiquity. There's something common in every religion, and that is the idea of sacrifice, now, we, we get a little put off by the idea of sacrifice. You know, I, I don't know anybody who's, like, okay with, like, you know, killing animals to appease deities and stuff like that. It's, it's a weird concept to us. But ultimately, I think what sacrifice is, and I said this a few weeks back, uh, even, even in the Bible, 
when you'd see them take the, the, the best sheep or the best cow and sacrifice it before God, that's, a, that's basically a way of saying, God, I'm going to take something that is so precious to me and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to let go of something that means a whole lot to me for something much greater in the future. I love what Paul says here. He says, in view of God's mercies, I want you to, to uh, bring yourself. You're the sacrifice. You're a living sacrifice. I want you to bring to God your, your life, your everyday, ordinary life, your eating, sleeping, walking around life. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So as we look back over this whole year, the good and the bad, the things that we, we loved, that, that felt connected, the things that, that felt like desolations, the things that, that we would like to do over, that, that we regret, and the things that, that brought us joy, as we look, bring all of those things to God and lay them before God's feet and say, God, this is my year. <laughs> These are the moments where I experience you. And when you, when you come down to those things that were gifts from God, Express some gratitude to the Lord. If you're married, pray to God together and just thank God for, for the wonderful things that he brought to you. But if there's some areas that, that you notice where, like, you know, I've spent too much of this year worried about what other people think of me. I'd like to not do that so much this next year. God, I ask you for grace in this coming year to live differently. God, I'd like to ask you for grace in, in these different areas. And that's what, I think that's where the real change can begin to take place in our life in the coming year, that we can break through some of these mindless ways of thinking that we have within, and we can live awake. We can live engaged. We can live mindfully. I'd like to get our big band up here again. <laughs> so as we close today, we're just going to do a song we did back in worship in, 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 at the early part of this service, uh, Spirit of God. And I just want us to close by praying these words. You, you don't have to even sing. <laughs> I mean, you can. You can. It's okay to sing. But I want us to just invite the Holy Spirit to lead us as individuals, to lead us as a community, to lead us as mothers, as fathers, as friends. And God would lead us through even this reflection that hopefully you can go through in the next day or so.